0: Hello everyone. I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Caricchio. and we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of us. If you're watching us, it's because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions in the world of movies and entertainment. So kick back, relax, and thank you for being part of the conversation. Did I mess that up there? You just pause a little bit. No, I did. Is it? Do I say well, some of us or some of them? You, you normally say them. This time you said us. Hey, hey! Yeah. New year, new year, new beginnings. New us. Same assholes, but that's okay. Hey, we're back, baby. We're back, baby. So uh, right off the bat, we're going to go ahead and do the movie news section of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be a bit condensed because we're going to do our phase four rankings also, and we have a funny feeling that might take some time to get through. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, uh, But we do want to run through some topics. It's not quite B-roll, not quite main topics, a little magic in between there. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you guys so much for coming back for the new year. It's super fun to be back, and we're looking forward to another great year with everyone. And I hope you like the new opening. Anyways, Nicholas, what's the first little story you got for us? Our
1: first story comes to us from Deadline. Genre legend Sam Raimi's Raimi Productions and Barbarian executive producer Alex Lebovici's Hammerstone Studios are reteaming with Christian Mercuri's Capstone Studios to produce the horror-thriller movie Don't Move. Now, Don't Move will watch as a seasoned killer injects a grieving woman with a paralytic agent. She must then run, fight, and hide before her body completely shuts down.
0: So a couple things here. One, awesome plot. Mm-hmm. It's the horror version of Crank, and I'm all about it. Two... Jason Statham movie. the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Go on. First of all, both Crank and Crank 2, great. I'm just going to say it. Anyway, um, Sam Raimi producing horror a lot of times you'll see big filmmakers like produce movies but they really didn't have much to do with it mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, when he produces a horror movie he finds great filmmakers who are going overlooked puts them in a position to make a great movie and the movie usually turns out great he got Fede Alvarez to do Evil Dead 2013 and look at the great films that he's been able to do uh, he's recently picked up Lee Cronin to do the new Evil Dead Rise which screened so well in test screenings that they moved it from HBO Max to theaters mm-hmm. super excited about that if you know anything about us But there is uh, something I do want to point out specifically about Sam Raimi when it comes to picking filmmakers and doing projects. This man produced a movie that one day I will make its own video on. Uh, This movie is the poster child of if you want to talk about some plot versus story and how one's more important than the other and it really doesn't matter. This man produced a movie called Crawl in (laughs) 2019 and it is such a fantastic movie directed by Alexandra Aja. Amazing movie. About an uh, an alligator that comes into a house during a hurricane and they gotta get away from it. Awesome movie. And you know, basically, what I'm getting at is when Sam Raimi produces a film, he takes it very seriously and puts everyone in the best p- position for success. Add that in with the EP of Barbarian. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be excellent. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I mean, Barbarian was definitely a sleeper hit mm-hmm. of horror last year, I think. And to see that team getting under the one of the, the goats of horror directing is always a great site. And quite frankly, I mean, maybe I'm just not making enough use of my, my shutter account, but I feel like I haven't seen much body horror in a minute. Mm, yeah. So I'm all for that, too, because body horror is rad.
0: Body horror is rad. We, we
1: love body horror here. And again, just Sam Raimi getting paid always love to see it always love to see it. and always taking chances on like some indie filmmakers so that's always nice to see too yes
0: yes one of the greats what do you guys think about the upcoming film don't move are you excited to see it let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story nicholas what you got for us next our next story comes to
1: us from variety and is actually a follow-up to a story we reported on in a previous episode uh we previously reported that uh twister the 1996 disaster film is getting a sequel titled twisters well, there's a lot more information now, such as it getting a summer 2024 release going up against an animated Transformers movie and a week before Marvel's Thunderbolts. Now, not only do they have a release date, Dalton, uh-huh. they also have a director. Uh-huh. That director, Lee Isaac Chung, <laughs> who, as you know, steered Minari, Minari yeah. to several, several Oscar nominations. But that's not all. We not only have a director and release date, Dalton. You know what else we have? What do we have? Some screenwriters.
0: Throw them at me. Uh,
1: well... It'll be co-wrote by Mark L. Smith, who co-wrote Alejandro G. Inaritu's Academy Award-winning The Revenant, starring Mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. So to recap, summer 2024 blockbuster disaster movie being directed by a man whose last film led to several Oscar nominations, being written by another Oscar-winning or Oscar-nominated movie's film screenplay uh, writer. Mm -hmm.
0: Not only that, Dalton...
1: Our boy Spielberg's producing it.
0: Oh, you know he is. You know he is. So, thoughts? Well, my thoughts are this. Holy shit! Uh, (laughs) Lee Isaac Chung, what a get Mm -hmm. for this type of film. And the fact that they're taking... The movie so seriously and doing things to they want to make the best movie possible. Yeah, and all this talent is proving that, and I think that's really wonderful to see, especially with a movie with the franchise as beloved as Twister. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, as you mentioned um, the last time we talked about this, they do put that dollar sign in that second S. That would be wonderful. Says it should be yes, but like it just blows my mind again that they're taking this this seriously. But I'm really excited about it. I have a feeling it's going to be great. There's a reason why Spielberg read this script and was like, let's fucking get going on this movie. Get it out now. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And uh, r- correct me if I'm wrong. Twister, the original. A film I have not seen. Yes. That's right. We talked about this last time. Yes. We're going to change that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it might even be up there with Face Off and Con Air for you. No, Nick Cage. That's high praise. It's high That's praise. High, but you have but Those you, bold words. But you have Bill Paxton and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Helen Hunt.
1: Okay. <laughs> very quick, very brief
0: aside here. Uh-huh. Philip Seymour
1: Hoffman, best Mission Impossible villain.
0: Absolutely, he's the best Mission Impossible villain. <laughs> he okay. He was the only one that genuinely scared me. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I watched Mission Impossible Three with his villain and that performance, I'm like. Tom Cruise is going to lose. Like, the whole time I was watching the movie, the first time I saw it, I'm like, they're they're fucked. Like, there's no... Genuinely, a tonal shift for the movies. Yes. And
1: a great one at that.
0: And he... Well, he always crushed it. He was incredible.
1: Now, obviously, we can't get Philip Seymour Hoffman and Bill Paxton in Twisters because of their passing, but Mm -hmm. do you think there's a strong possibility of them getting Helen Hunt, or do you think they're going to try to just far remove
0: I I think it just depends on the story. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're dealing with people who know what they're doing, and I think that if the story calls for Helen Hunt to be a part, I would love to see it. I think the Mm -hmm. fans would love to see it. But if not, then they're not going to force it. Mm -hmm. And I think that with the directing and writing producing team that we have, we're going to get a solid film, and yeah. I'm really, really excited for this to come out and for the eventual next year, like for the promotional materials start coming out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the movie, and you need to watch the fucking first one. Yes, <laughs> so I do. What yes, do you yes, guys do. think about Twisters adding a director and a release date? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next and final news topic story. Nicholas, what you got for us?
1: Our next story comes to us from Variety. It's kind of a big topic. Big topic. Um, big topic. Movie studios can be sued under false advertising laws if they release deceptive movie trailers, a federal judge ruled on Tuesday. U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson issued a ruling in the case involving uh, Yesterday, the 2019 film about the world without the Beatles. Uh, two Anna Diarmas fans filed the lawsuit in January, alleging that they had rented the movie after seeing Anna Diarmas in the trailer, only to discover that she was cut
0: out of the final film.
1: Marvel's screwed.
0: <laughs> that's essentially the conclusion. No, so just to quickly recap, because I don't remember if we talked about this story when it had happened a few months ago or if we were on hiatus. I think we talked about the lawsuit,
1: but it, yeah. we didn't get into anything like... Yeah, anything specific. Yeah. yeah,
0: okay, so here's what happened. Um, these guys wanted to watch... Were on Amazon Prime, wanted to watch a mm-hmm. movie. They saw a trailer for Yesterday and had Anada Armas in it. They were like, we love her. Watch it, she's not in it. They're pissed, they sue. Right? Mm-hmm. And Universal, to counteract this, just tried to have the suit thrown out. Because they're like, this is ridiculous. Trailers, you have to, you know, have some creative... They're like their own little short films that you put out. It's whatever. But this federal judge has now denied their request to throw out the case. saying I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But basically saying, yes, you're right that you have to be creatively interesting with a trailer and kind of make some, you know, leeway here and there. But do not forget that this is a commercial for a product that you are selling. That product being a movie. Mm-hmm. And you can't falsely advertise that movie. This is big because movie studios are going to take cutting trailers much more seriously now than they ever have before. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see the level of panic, like mild panic that goes in Hollywood. Now, this is a tinfoil hat, but the day after this announcement, my uh, HBO Max terms and service user agreement was updated Mm -hmm. on like a random Wednesday, which is funny. But, uh, you know, that's probably maybe it's for something else entirely. But don't be surprised if people have to start re-looking at how they're going to do their trailers. You mentioned Marvel, who was famously manipulating their trailers to keep the audience surprised. Does that follow under the same context, or does that follow under something else? And I think the big thing that could have been avoided is just don't put that trailer on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Because when they made the trailer initially, the movie hadn't come out yet, and they didn't know she was going to be cut yet. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time when you are editing a movie. The reason why she was cut, for those interested, is because they did a a screen a test screening of the movie and um in that that scene that she's in she goes on a morning show with the lead character and then they hook up afterwards and the test audience said that when that happened they were no longer rooting for him to win back lily james Mm -hmm. which was an important vital part of the movie so they cut the scene right it happens all the time but here we are now with the situation we're in What do you think about this for the future of movie trailers? And do you think this could go poorly for them?
1: Well, I have a few thoughts. And that first one being, are we now going to get super obvious trailers?
0: Perhaps. That's a possibility. that would suck.
1: Yeah. And to, you know, where's the line? So, like, you go on to any of these streaming services, you click into the movie, and you go to the bottom, right, and you see the trailers tab, where they just put every trailer TV spot that was released for the movie. Mm -hmm. So, are they at fault for doing what's already been set as a precedent on every other movie. Cause I'm sure we could sit here and think on it for five minutes and be like, Oh, who was cut out of a movie after go back? And then we have a case of like, Oh, well, I wanted to see Iron Man two. Cause Terrence Howard was in the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And why is he not here now?
1: but they didn't market him as yeah. they did with that but you know what I mean like if yeah. we sat here and ponder I'm sure we could find an oh, example oh I got one for you
0: yeah wow this came in deep in my brain bro just yeah. because we were talking about Mission Impossible earlier yeah the trailers for Mission Impossible 2 seemed to imply that Anthony Hopkins was going to have a major huge role second build mm-hmm. in that movie he's in it for like five seconds
1: <laughs> well there we go can yeah. we go watch that and yeah. I would say like well he was in the trailer we watched on it yeah mm-hmm. I'm an Anthony Hopkins fan he's only in it for five seconds yeah so where, where's the line on that yeah and now with the deceptive thing, you know, the thing is, like, if we look at the Marvel trailers, what they're putting in you in does not alter the tone of the film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's take Captain America fighting Thanos, and they remove the Infinity Stones from the gauntlet. Yeah. You still know Thanos is going to fight Captain America. Yeah. Power or not, that does not change the tone of the movie. Agreed. From the trailer. Mm-hmm. Having that clip in the trailer does not change the tone of yesterday. Yeah. And would argue that, I mean, you can't really go into someone's mindset, but if you watch a trailer and see they're on a talk show, she's probably not a big part of the movie. She probably just happens to be the talk show guest that's on there. Yeah. And then they hook up and then she's out of the movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a large leap, so I don't want to go off that. But, you know, where's the line become now of changing the movie tonally? Like, now we're looking at, like, I'll use a poster behind you, Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. Right? Toby and Andrew aren't in the trailers. No, they aren't. Could I be upset about that? On the poster right now is um, Angori Rice, mm-hmm. who is fantastic in The Nice Guys. Yep. And I love all her movies. If I see that poster, I'm like, oh, Angori Rice is in it. And she's in a scene. Can I now sue them for that? Yeah. So it's like, where it all seems too blurry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, these are all good points. And it actually gets me thinking. A long time ago, there was a lawsuit over the movie Drive, where a woman sued because they made the trailers look like an action movie to sell it. And it's not an action movie. And she yeah. sued and lost. Get your money back. Try it again. <laughs> Use f- this as precedent.
1: The first Deadpool marketed as a rom com because it came out on Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge thing. Like yeah. they did not mark try to certain elements did yeah. were not market as a superhero movie. Uh-huh, Yeah, but I, I think the biggest thing is should the trailer have been on Amazon? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But every other trailer for every other movie is. And, so that and, that's where because yeah. it becomes a matter of precedent.
0: That and I do think that this is just another wake up call that not everyone is like us or like the people working at the studios who are in tune and in tapped with what's going on in the movie world Mm -hmm. and it just becomes like oh it's a reminder that like the general movie going public they operate based off of what's in front of them yeah you know which is not a negative thing they're doing what we're asking them Mm -hmm. to do you know but like you and i knew that anna de was cut from the movie they didn't now had anna like in the trailer short
1: had anna de been on the poster had Anna Diarmas been the banner image? Had she been on the press tour? Had she been on the press tour? Had she been the banner image when you click it in the movie? I feel like it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Going to the extras or auto-playing trailer one, which is honestly at this point in time probably some auto-generated bot thing yep. that just pulls the image, the video off the off YouTube. Yep. And it's like, oh yeah, this is the first trailer for yesterday. Mm-hmm. This now gets plugged in. Where Where's that line now? How much human involvement was actually in this decision?
0: Yeah. I'm going to go to Amazon after this and see if they've updated that image. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think about this? That you can now, according to a federal judge, you can sue movie companies for misleading trailers. Mm-hmm. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below.
1: Before we move on to our movie review, I just wanted to take care of some quick housekeeping. While we love to have you join and watch us on YouTube, we get that life gets busy. You're constantly running around, or maybe you just don't want to see our faces, especially Dalton's. So for your listening pleasure, the Movie Nights Roundtable is available in audio-only form on Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other major podcasting platforms. Uh, Simply open up your podcasting app of choice, type in the Movie Nights Roundtable into the search, and look for that big yellow logo.
0: As we move on to the box office! The box office! So... Let's kind of... We didn't do, like, really predictions last week, I don't think, because we were going to take the week off. Yeah. So, here is your box office top five over the New Year holiday weekend. Coming in first was Avatar The Way of Water, making $66.8 million in its third week of release. And by the way, that is a 6% increase from week two to week three. (laughs) A movie that huge went up 6%. It does not happen. I, I hate James
1: Cameron. <laughs> I, I hate that he's right. I hate when he's right.
0: Uh, coming in second, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, making $16.7 million. Now, here's something else interesting. This is from week one to week two. 35% increase.
1: Listen, people in our group saw it and apparently it's I've heard it's fucking like, incredible. Fantastic. Now
0: granted it did open in 22 more theaters. Yeah. But th- that doesn't equate to 35% more. No that. No. no. That is word of mouth. Absolutely. Uh coming in third was Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, making 4.8 million dollars. Uh which was a 38% increase from the week before too. So people went over the New Year holiday. Cuz and- all the
1: tickets for Puss in Boots and Avatar out <laughs>
0: Yep. Uh, Coming in fourth was the new Whitney Houston biopic, Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, making $4 million. And it dropped only 16% from week one to week two, which is still not bad. (laughs) And coming in fifth was Babylon, making $2.6 million, dropping 28% from week one to week two. Still not enough to save that movie, but we're going to get into that here in a minute. Um, Also, we are recording the show on Monday today. So, these could be the final Monday numbers. However, it is in the early afternoon, and sometimes the numbers don't update until the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If, when I'm editing later, I see the numbers have changed, I will put those in the video description for you guys. But these should be the final Monday numbers. So, let's dive into some fun stuff here, Nicholas. Yes, and we'll do our
1: predictions for next
0: week. Avatar The Way of Water. Yes. Has now officially crossed $1.4 billion worldwide, and by the end of the week will surpass Top Gun... As the number one movie of 2022 so it did that in three weeks yeah is
1: that like some sort of record
0: uh, it's up there it it's was just it was the sixth fastest movie to hit a billion okay um right now it's domestic total is over 444 million mm-hmm. a top guns domestic total was in, uh, in the upper sevens i don't know if it'll get there domestically Jeez. but yeah worldwide it's the number one movie of 2022 um i believe i will get into the um top movies of the year here in mm-hmm. a minute but uh, yes, huge win for James Cameron. How many times did we say on this show, "Never doubt James Cameron"? All the naysayers saying Avatar's no longer pop culturally relevant. No, we fucking knew better. It angers me. <laughs> I'm actively <laughs> upset by it. <laughs> so uh, if you want something that uh, makes you happy, then here is this worldwide box office so far for Puss in Boots: 135 million dollars. Jeez. Uh, the budget was probably around the same place. I don't actually. I'm gonna look it up. Puss in Boots Budget Make sure it's for the new one Dude Good fucking call So I think I can only find Wait hold on This is from Wikipedia So take that With what you will It's showing a budget Of 90 million Okay So Pretty soon It'll be on it's way To profitability If, if it maintains Increases like this Yeah It will
1: I mean I definitely Want to see it now after and, yeah, and yeah And
0: after all the Positive word of mouth Absolutely Um Black Panther: Wakanda Forever has now world has a worldwide total now of 820 million dollars. Huge win for that movie, especially considering its budget was probably in somewhere in the 200s. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, I believe it made more money than Thor: Love and Thunder, but not as much as Doctor Strange Two. Okay. Um, Whitney Houston, I Wanna Dance with Somebody's worldwide box office as of now is 28 million dollars i'm also unaware of the budget let me see here. the numbers website that we use hasn't been doing a lot of budgets recently but sometimes they don't report the budget so Mm -hmm. So it has a budget of 45 so it's about halfway to being one times we'll see with that one profitability but this is also the type of movie that i think does well on streaming Mm -hmm. when it's done so we'll see that and then there's babylon Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about more later because i finally saw it yes has not opened worldwide internationally yet, mm-hmm. so there's only a b- domestic box office total. And as of today, the domestic box office total is ten million dollars for an eighty-plus movie, probably more or less. Eighty million.
1: So we need to make about two hundred to be profitable. And probably sitting at ten. Ten.
0: Yep. It's not looking good, Chief. Good luck. Yeah, which is a shame, but. Regardless, that's what it's looking like right now. Let me see if I can pull out the number one movies of the year so far. Yeah. For the worldwide box office, I'm pulling up on Box Office Mojo, which was ruined when IMDb bought it. Fucking fix it, you guys. It's been too long. And uh, for the domestic numbers, I'm going to go back to the numbers because they have a really nice chart over there. So, as of now... And I'm flipping, Box Office Mojo doesn't have the new updated totals for um, Avatar, and Avatar will pass Top Gun Maverick. So I'm going to put, if you look at the chart right now, it has Top Gun over Avatar, it will pass it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to flip the two, just to let you guys know. Okay. So top 10 worldwide of the year, Avatar, The Way of Water, number one, Top Gun Maverick, number two, Jurassic World Dominion, number three. Those are the only movies that crossed over a billion dollars this year. Oh, wow. Coming in fourth, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness with $955 million, and that did not get a China release. Coming in fifth was Minions the Rise of Gru, making yeah, $939 million. Coming in sixth, Black Panther Wakanda Forever at $820 million. Coming in seventh, The Batman at $770 million. Coming in eighth, Thor Love and Thunder at $760 million. Coming in nine, Watergate Bridge all right at 626 million dollars and coming in 10 moon man at 460 million dollars now let's look at the domestic numbers because this is pretty fun Mm. domestic top movies and i don't think this will avatar has passed black panther now domestically okay so i'm gonna flip those numbers from this chart because it hasn't been updated on this chart number one top gun maverick at 718 million Number two, Avatar The Way of Water at a little over 440 now. Number three, Black Panther Wakanda Forever at 437. Number four, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at 411. Mm -hmm. Number five, Jurassic World Dominion at 376. Number six, Minions at 369. Number seven, The Batman at 369. Number eight, Thor at 343. Number nine, No Way Home at 241. Which is weird. Uh, I guess No, they must have carried that over into Grossa so. No, it's not no way home. Okay. Uh it's actually goes from Thor 11 Thunder to number 9 Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at 190. Great movie. Go on. And number 11, they're going to spin this into a positive Black Adam at w- 167.
1: They're going to everyone's going to release a top 10, they're going to release a top 15. Yeah. Just to Yep,
0: yep, yep. That's how it's going to go, but yeah. So hell of a year. However, the movies are back. Here's the thing: this year, coming. this year.
1: Oh my god, movies are back. So if you look at like out.
0: what's coming out, oh my god, movies are back this year. All the year. big
1: directors too come. We're getting uh-huh. new Scorsese, new Anderson, new Shyamalan, new Aster, new Aster. Tons of new ones. Tons of new ones. Sequels to a bunch of hits too. Mm-hmm. It's insane.
0: Just look at June. Look at the month of June. All the movies coming out. Yeah. It's bad shit crazy. Like, it's, it's just the first regular summer in some time.
1: Mm-hmm. And movie theaters are going to love and hate it. Yes. Because the, they are wildly understaffed.
0: The turnover rates are going to be really funny. I can't wait to reach out to my contacts about that. <laughs> Before we go on, let's go ahead and do our predictions for next week.
1: I have mine, I think, lined up. But let me ask you this again. What did Puss in Boots make this week?
0: So, Puss in Boots made hold for show 16 million
1: okay i have my list then
0: you have your list yes all right number Give one to me
1: i'm gonna go avatar way of water okay i think that's gonna hold the number one spot fair number two i'm gonna go megan all right number three i'm gonna go Puss in boots okay number four i'm gonna go black panther and number five i'm gonna go babylon
0: Interesting. So I
1: think that the Whitney Houston thing might have a an upfront tick. And I think Babylon might mm-hmm. just kind of stay consistent. Yeah. And I think the Whitney Houston will drop below. And I'm putting on a bet of Puss in Boots made 16. So it might make around that again, too, because mm-hmm. word of mouth has been so good. Yeah. I'm thinking Megan could get to 20. I'm
0: thinking the same. Now, the only thing that's affecting my decision a little bit mm-hmm. is... is A Man Called Otto opens everywhere the 13th, but it opens limited this week, including Orlando Limited.
1: You said limited for fa- Fablemans too, though. I did. Yeah. And I'm
0: not, I'm not saying A Man Called Otto is going to go knuck and futz here. But
1: you're going to walk in and see Tom
0: Hanks. But I do think there's going to be people who see that over, say, Babylon, which okay. is three hours long. Mm-hmm. So here's mine. Yes. Number one, Avatar the Way of Water.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Number two, Megan. Honestly, I'm going to say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Megan gets to 30 or 40.
1: Ooh, right on.
0: Number three, Puss in Boots. Number four, Black Panther. Number five, I want to dance with somebody.
1: I'm just going to put Whitney Houston. Yep. Because
0: that does not fit on the graphic. Because I think enough people will see A Man Called Auto that it takes away from Babylon.
1: But you think not enough people will see it to beat Whitney Houston? Yes. Right on.
0: Because I don't think a lot of people know that Whitney Houston movie's out.
1: I did not know it was a thing. Until and, I, and I
0: think when people go to the theaters to look at stuff, they'll be like, oh my god, there's a Whitney Houston movie out.
1: I think that is possible,
0: yeah. So, we all are different except for the last one, right?
1: Yep, we just have our four, our fifth our fifth uh, flipped.
0: Down to the wire, baby. It's going to be fun. Down to the wire. So that will be the box office for this week. Thank yes. you, guys. As we move on to the thing that everyone's been waiting for since they clicked on the thumbnail. Ladies and gentlemen, we have put together our lists for our Marvel Phase 4 rankings. Now, before we get into it, there is something I should point out. We did do a couple of rules here. Mm -hmm. One of them being... We did not include the Groot shorts. And we did not include What If. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because... At the most recent Comic-Con when they put up Phase 4... They didn't include What If. And it looks like they're moving to the animation stuff... To being their own thing. With X-Men and Spider-Man Freshman Year and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's going to be not included. And with Groot, they're just like little short films. I don't know, you know. Technically, we could have included Morbius, but I decided against it. (laughs) Now, uh, with the Phase 4 rankings, everything else on the table, including Werewolf by Night and the Guardians Holiday Special, and this includes all of the titles other than the ones we didn't include, Mm -hmm. in Marvel Phase 4 from 2021... To the end of 2022, the most in any phase ever. Mm-hmm. And ladies sixteen and, movies, 16, sixteen items, sixteen items. And ladies and gentlemen, I gotta tell you, it was not easy. And I reserve the right for the, in the future to change my answers. Mm-hmm. I always do this. Like sometimes I'll go back to my phase one list and just reorder and, them. and make changes because I just feel differently about them.
1: Now, what, what's going to be the best way to to do this? I say because we're gonna have different rankings.
0: Let's let's each do our bottom four. Mm-hmm. I'll do my bottom four, 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 four.
1: Gotcha. Because here's the thing: I looked at both our lists. Our 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 top and bottoms are fairly similar. Yeah
0: the the middles where the
1: middles where things get a little where hip-tick. where it gets fucked up. All right, so I'm gonna do my bottom four. Bottom four. All right. Uh, well, what's
0: coming in number sixteen?
1: Number sixteen, I put She Hulk, attorney at law. Okay. Well, I did enjoy a lot of She-Hulk, mainly Daredevil and Abomination, mm-hmm. and I thought that Tatiana Maslani does a great job as the character. Overall, I think just too heavy on the comedy, where I know it was supposed to be a comedy, a lot of the comedy didn't work. Okay. So that's kind of where I, I put it. Yeah. Um, right above that, I put Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that, I think, was just too little too late with the character, mm-hmm. and I was very disappointed by the utilization of Taskmaster in the mm-hmm. movie. I think Scott Johansson's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel terrible for what happened. I'm glad she won the lawsuit. Yeah. Um, But comparatively to some of the other items, I felt that kind of fell a little short. Yeah. Um, And then I'm going to talk about these next two together. So right above that, I have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and then I have Hawkeye. Uh I very much enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, Kind of a nice little just end cap on the things, a little fun Christmas spirit. Kevin Bacon, absolutely hysterical in it. Mm -hmm. And right above that, I put Hawkeye. And I was comparing both of those in terms of being Christmas. Yeah. And I liked a lot more of Hawkeye because we got a lot more of it, too. Mm -hmm. I thought that Kate Bishop was an excellent addition to the MCU, played by Haley Steinfeld. I thought Florence Pugh as uh Elena always incredible. Um Hawkeye, I've always liked the character, so I was glad to see a little more with him. Uh just the funness of it. Like I think the tracksuit mafia were great. Uh the Kingpin reveal was fine with the character. <laughs> I'm just happy to have yeah. D'Anofrio solidified as playing the character. Same. Um always love Vera Formiga mm-hmm. and uh Tony Dalton from uh Better call Saul. Yes, uh, I thought was underutilized, but and th- very fun. This and showed
0: it. me what a phenomenal actor he is. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So overall, I think I put those two together just because kind of they're more Christmas focused, mm-hmm. and I think that Hawkeye worked better on a Christmas level from that, and just overall from a storytelling and adding to the greater MCU. Yeah, I think I think that was kind of a big thing, too, is what's this adding to the story going forward? Mm-hmm. Whereas I didn't feel like a lot from She-Hulk added to the greater story going forward. Yeah. And Black Widow was obviously in the past. I feel like mm-hmm. that didn't contribute on that level. Uh, so that's my bottom four for phase four.
0: Gotcha. We have some similar similarities mm-hmm. in the bottom four. Uh, my bottom four, my number 16, also She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Um, I, I don't hate the show, mm-hmm. but there's nine episodes. I love the first three and I love the last two. The middle four mm-hmm. don't really work for me. And I think my biggest problem with the show... I think Tatiana Mislani is perfect mm-hmm. as the character and I want to see her more. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Daredevil and love Charlie Cox in the role. My big problem with the show is as a functional story, it just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole idea of her being the lawyer in the courtroom and then the hero at night, they do it maybe once over the nine episodes. And I just feel like the show had no idea what it wanted to be or what it was going to do <laughs> until that finale episode, which is why if they did She-Hulk season two, I would watch it because I have a feeling they they know now. Recalibrate. Yes. yes. But it lost me on the steps of the way even though it had me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, She-Hulk is number 16. Number 15, I also have Black Widow. I... I'm so excited about the idea of a standalone Black Widow movie where we could see Scarlett Johansson be the spy, be the shade of gray that the MCU doesn't really have and really kind of prove the different levels of storytelling. You can take that character. Mm -hmm. And I still don't have that movie because that's not what this movie was. It was a, we need to introduce a new Black Widow. So let's do that. But we can also say goodbye to Scarlett Johansson. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me.
1: Red Guardian and uh, Rachel Weiss's character I thought they all The whole family dynamic worked very well
0: I agree And yeah. there are things in the movie that work very well yeah. uh, The bridge action fight I thought was very well done mm-hmm. uh, A lot of the other action was okay I love the final confrontation Where she fucking breaks her nose on the table Awesome mm-hmm. But I thought overall the story of the movie To me almost had to justify why you were making the movie And placing it where it was And it never felt like it did mm-hmm. And for that reason it is 15th Although I don't hate the movie Coming in 14th is the, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. hmm And I have this as loaded as it is because I think there are great moments in this. Like, I teared up. The final moment of this made me tear up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some genuine great emotion in this. Going to get Kevin Bacon is hilarious. But there's another special that you'll hear about later on this list. Yeah. That I felt like was a full, complete story in 45 minutes. This felt like a fun idea that they stretched out to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's a, the whole musical number in the beginning. Did not work for me. I almost turned it off. I was just like, "If this is what this is going to be the whole time, I don't want it." Mm-hmm. I do like that it actually adds to the universe, and there's stuff in here that like you wouldn't have known unless you watched it. Yes. But and there are great stuff in it. But overall, I'm like, this could have been a fun DVD extra. Yeah. Like this, I don't know why this really had to be its whole own thing.
1: I think that. I think the benefit of it was giving Mantis and a little time to shine. Cause I think she's going to be a major character in three. I agree. And I think setting up that they bought nowhere. Yes. Which I thought was rad. Yes,
0: it is rad. But yeah. to me, those are things like I could pre- have established. Like I'm, my parents aren't going to watch this probably. Yeah. And I'm going to take them to guardians three and see if they pick up what's going on. And if they do, then, you know? Yeah. But regardless, um overall great moments i just thought not all of it worked that's mm-hmm. why it places where it's at now my number 13 is different than yours okay my number 13 is thor love and thunder again i don't hate i don't hate any of these mm-hmm. i don't hate this movie but i was disappointed by it it is a big step down from thor ragnarok which i think is the best thor movie and i think it's one of the best movies in the mcu mm-hmm. to have taika watiti who's an excellent filmmaker who the internet just decided wasn't a good filmmaker after this movie came out, which is very odd and shocking to me. You know, the Jojo Rabbit, what we do in the Shadows guy? Okay. Not a good filmmaker. But... uh,
1: I think he phoned it in for Love and Thunder. It
0: felt that way. It felt that way. And it felt that they went too silly.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's a bad director. Not at all. He's I think amazing. Thor Love and Thunder was a significant drop-off for him. I agree. Comparatively.
0: I agree. And, I mean, positives in the movie. Yeah. Christian Bale mm-hmm. crushed it brought as a game even chris hemsworth i might not like the direction and the silliness in which his character's going but he does it perfectly mm-hmm. uh jane foster i thought natalie portman did excellent in the film mm-hmm. i thought the sto- the mixing of the storylines of gore and jane foster didn't work i think both of those are different thor movies yeah that i would have liked to see but overall and obviously and honestly this looked cheap in terms of the the volume didn't really work mm-hmm and how it was used, except for the planet, the scene on Gore's planet, which was the best, the best part of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And the a lot of the CGI, especially in the a Greek palace, just looked fell flat for me. And that whole sequence, like, I don't know, the the movie would would constantly lose me and then pick me back up and then lose me and then pick me back up. Mm-hmm. And with it being a huge step down from Thor Ragnarok, that's why I have it at thirteen. So those are my bottom four. What okay. are your next four, starting with twelve?
1: Uh, number twelve, I have uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. Um, this was the first of the Marvel shows, correct? To release on Disney Plus?
0: No, it was WandaVision.
1: Oh, it was WandaVision. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was. It was supposed to be the first. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Sorry. Um, and here's my big thing with it. And you could argue with some of the movie, uh, the TV shows, but they kind of course corrected a little bit with later entries. This one felt like a movie that just got chopped up Mm -hmm. it didn't feel serialized for television um it felt like a two hour movie that they dragged out, which they are now course correcting like as they said like armor wars too big to be a tv show like we need to make this a movie Mm -hmm. um in terms of positives love zemo love bucky love captain america uh falcon at the time love uh sam wilson loved agent 13 The villains fell flat for me, Okay, the Flag Smashers. And I understand that there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with COVID, that they had to rework a lot of it. That felt very out of place. I think John Walker was great. Like, I love every character in it. The story kind of just fell flat for me. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of the TV shows adding to the greater story not necessarily doing it so that you don't have to watch them. I like the idea of having to watch them because you can look at Falcon and Winter Soldier and now Captain America 4 comes out and he's Captain America. Yeah. And you're like, got it, yes, because Steve Rogers gives him the shield, the shield. at the end. Yeah, uh-huh. Now I'm here. And you don't have to give two shits about the side mission yeah. that he went on. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with the other shows, they contribute a lot to that. I agree. Um, but that being said, I'm interested in all the character storylines going forward because you know now we have... Um, Bucky and John Walker being on a team together because they were announced as part of the Thunderbolts lineup. Mm -hmm. We have whatever Agent 13 is doing with her little thing, and we have Captain America 4 coming out, Mm -hmm. which will probably tie into the show as well. And I do want to rewatch it, but I think having the villains kind of fall flat and just kind of the issues with that kind of brought it down for me. Uh, Next up is another one I need to rewatch, which is The Eternals. Uh, Watching that one, I appreciated that they tried to do something drastically different with the movies Mm -hmm. and i give them points for that it just kind of felt very dry to me Mm -hmm. i thought some of the action and visuals were really cool i think that makari that was the speedster i thought the way they did her animation for running was awesome um but the thing with the uh the deviants and like crow being entirely pointless i felt kind of took away from that okay um, but I think all the characters played very well together, interplayed very well together. Like I loved jo- Angelina Jolie and um I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played Gilgamesh. Like I thought their hmm, story yeah. was the most interesting in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like I could have watched a spin off of just them. Yeah. Um and then above that in was that fourteen, sixteen, 16
0: twelve, eleven. Uh it started at twelve, eleven and then 10.
1: 10, ten I have Thor, Love, and Thunder. Okay. Um, so we're kind of at like the midpoint yeah right Of uh, it was fine i think it was a big step down kind of going off what you said um from thor ragnarok uh elements worked for me but overall the story a lot of the humor didn't work and the parts that did were very great but i just thinking on the movie more i feel like there were a lot more plot issues with the greater mcu that kind of just bugged me a little bit mm-hmm. but overall it's still like an, like I don't get angry watching the movie. Like I can still watch it, have a laugh or go rewatch certain scenes. Like the gore planet thing. Yeah. Um, and then coming up right above that at the last of the four, I have Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Um, in terms of excitement versus letdown, I think that was the biggest one. That was the one in this phase that I was most looking forward to, uh, in terms of releases this year, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you're bringing in Sam Raimi to direct. And overall, I think the movie just kind of fell flat for me uh, with the character arcs, the direction of the story. Um, I've lamented on the the show before about, you know, issues with the Illuminati and Reed Richards or, um, you know, the madness of the multiverse being three different places that weren't really that insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's kind of where it lies for me.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. The rankings. Um, My number 12 is miss marvel okay and i like this show yeah and my number 12 and 11 by the way every day i flip them (laughs) so like these next two are basically interchangeable to me but uh the reason why i have miss marvel where it is i love iman velani i love the dynamic with her and her family and i thought the pilot episode of the show was one of the best they did for Mm -hmm. disney plus for marvel after that each episode i just got slowly less and less interested Okay. And it, it didn't do anything bad. It just kind of, s- like, flatlined, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And now, granted, there's the episode where they go back in time, and I thought that was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I lost my ever-loving fucking mind when they say that she's a fucking mutant and they play the X-Men theme. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, the show peaked at excitement with me in its first episode. I think the first episode of the show is its best episode. Mm-hmm. And to me, if you're going to make a show, can't be the case. Number 11 is Hawkeye. Okay. Again, you can interchange these Mm because of how I feel about them. Positives with Hawkeye. Everything with Kate Bishop. I like Vincent D'Onofrio coming back as Kingpin a lot. Whether or not, whether I like they did to Kingpin, him doing it was perfect and great. Everything with Yelena. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy Renner gives... An amazing performance and his storyline is interesting. Negatives. Episodes one, two, and six (laughs) are just (laughs) not that great. Episodes three and four and five are excellent. Mm -hmm. I think they're excellent. Like they're not just good. I think they're excellent. Yeah. And um I think having this be a Christmas show as a gimmick was a disservice to the Hawkeye character and a disservice to a potential goodbye Mm -hmm. for that character. And I felt like you can tell, you can do a story about his family being separated and trying to live that double life without having to keep Christmas tropes and have that be a central theme of the show. Mm-hmm. I think it brought it down a lot. Okay, And because of that, I have it as low as it is, especially just because I think the first, the first two episodes in the final episode were not nearly as strong as the middle episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought the middle episodes directed by Bert and Bertie were phenomenal. But yes. they're great, which leads me to number ten, and this one is one that has gone up significantly on my list than in the past. My number ten is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Ooh. and it just comes from a lot of reflection. And I do need to admit, I do need to rewatch a lot of these because mm-hmm. there are some things on here that I've seen one time. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The reason why I have it at ten is because let's do po- let's do positives first. I love everything with Anthony Mackie and the Isaiah Bradley Mm storyline. I love everything with Sebastian Stan and his storyline of going through therapy and trying to get better. I love everything about the um, Johnny Walker and the US agent side. Mm -hmm. That storyline I thought was really interesting, fascinating. I love the new suit. And I think that the action in the show was great. I thought Sharon Carter was great. Mm -hmm. Madripoor bring it the return of the leaper or the yes, whatever his name is you're right batrock yeah batrock what i didn't like about the show the main villain and main storyline yeah that is a very big negative to have i did not care for the flag smashers i just every time they were on screen i was like please go to any of the other storylines cuz i loved all the other ones yeah and another big <laughs> negative is i i do agree with you that you could just watch the end of end game come back and he's captain america and no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Oh, Stark suit, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, but like, you know, that's, you know, Wakanda suits, whatever.
1: Yeah, sorry, that's what it was, yeah.
0: You know, but it's, but like, and, and them coming in the show I enjoyed, you know, like I loved all of that, mm-hmm. but just the the main, when your main storyline and your main villain is the weak link, it really drags your show down. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot in the show that I loved, and there are rumors going around that the original plot line of the show involved like a virus and a vaccine, and that it was heavily edited, and if that's the case, that sucks. Yeah. But- It's better than I remember it being, Mm -hmm. but still, that main issue I had with it doesn't take away from it. And I do agree that this could have been a much better film than a TV show. Mm -hmm. Coming in at number nine, Eternals. Okay. And I like this movie more than most. I just think my issue with this is that the other things in the list are better. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Um, Like this, if we were doing a tier list, this is where it would jump a tier for me. Mm-hmm. Like other than like maybe the last bottom two. Yeah. But like this is a good jump for me. I really, really enjoyed this film. Uh, the only negatives I have with it are that some of the Deviant storylines didn't really work for me. Uh, There's a big moment with Angelina Jolie's Thena towards the end of the movie that they really want you to be behind emotionally. But it didn't really build up that final battle with that Deviant. Mm-hmm. I thought that that Deviant coming into the story could have been done better with the finale of what's going on with Icarus. Yeah. But they went a different route with it love druig and makari mm-hmm. i thought their romance was better than the one they were building up with cersei and icarus i, I yeah. much prefer the druig makari romance i think that um salma hayek did wonderful i thought um camille Johnny did wonderful mm-hmm. and each time i watch this is a movie each time i re-watch it i like it more and i thought it was a great addition to the mcu i don't really i, I understand why people don't like it as much but this is we're at the ninth spot, and this is the first one where I'm like, dang, that's that feels low for how much I like it. He, Which also just goes to show how much I like the other projects. Here's my thing with
1: Eternals: I don't see where we go
0: yet. <laughs> I don't see where we go
1: yet. But with all the Avengers stuff they planned in the multiverse, like I don't mm-hmm. see where an Eternals two fits in because they really tried to make it such a huge part mm-hmm. that I don't see what the build up to the greater MCU storyline with the multiverse and like kang and everything where that goes and it could very well come up in the next movie who knows but
0: yeah cool cool all right so what is your eight seven six and five
1: all right number eight i have miss marvel i very much enjoyed the entire show save for um the one episode uh Oh, with the red daggers? With the red daggers. Yeah. That, only, that
0: brought it down notches for Only me.
1: because that's such a big part of her comic storyline that they just kind of felt shoved in. Like, we could have saved that for a later season or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I thought that fourth episode with the time travel was, or the fifth episode, was phenomenal. I think that, I would argue, might be their strongest pilot for a TV show. I, I... And it's a tie
0: between another one that we'll get into, but I agree. The pilot was Mm -hmm. very strong.
1: And I think that she gives an excellent performance. And I like that. We got to spend time with her family and the characters. Like I care about the family. Mm -hmm. I was invested in their storyline. I bought them as a real family. Like I saw myself and my family, like in them, Mm -hmm. even though like I'm not from their culture, you know, completely different. Um, and it got me actively excited for the Marvels, which I wasn't necessarily excited for. Gotcha. And I give the, that credit. Yeah. Um, right above that, in seventh, I have Moon Knight, which is funny because I think this is lower on my list than on yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm the big Moon Knight guy. Yes. Um. But looking at it, I think I liked everything above it a little bit more. I mm-hmm. think that Oscar Isaac gives a phenomenal performance. I personally, I know people were kind of upset about the way they adapted certain things. Everything that they adapted worked for me. Um, I think Ethan Hawke is always a great performer. Mm-hmm. So to have him as your villain was very interesting. I think that toward the end it scaled up too large for its own good. Mm-hmm. I think there was probably a much more intimate story that they could have gone for. Uh, but that being said, like the whole dynamic, the conflict, um, Kanshu was absolutely hysterical. And I love um, the actresses, May Mm Kalamawe. I am blanking on the character's name in the show, but the main...
0: Scarlet Scarab?
1: Scarlet Scarab, but Mm -hmm. like her regular character's name. It's leaving me as well. Leia? Leia?
0: I'm going to look it up now. It's bothering me.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that she did a phenomenal job and I think all the characters are great. I'm excited to see Moon Knight in future things and to see how they incorporate his person, uh, dissociative identity disorder into that. But again, I think it just kind of scared, scaled up, uh, too much toward the end there. Um, coming in at, uh, sixth, I have black Panther Wakanda forever. What a bold, ambitious task that that movie had to climb uphill. Yeah. And with the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And I think Layla Layla. Okay. I was close. Yeah. 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 Um, And I personally was not a massive fan of the first one. And I'm in the camp that Wakanda forever is better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that finally getting to see Namor on screen was awesome. Uh, And that they did the wing feet and that they took them seriously and didn't make them a joke. And that's the only way that you can do that. And I think that everyone gives a very emotional performance in the movie and the movie lands on that emotion. I think Mm -hmm. Angela Bassett deserves an Oscar nomination, quite frankly. Um, and overall, just everything and the way they handled the passing, everything just worked beautifully for me, and I very much enjoyed it. Uh, and then coming in in fifth, I have Loki, which was rad. I loved all of it. We have Owen Wilson in the MCU, which is great. We had time travel. Great. We got our first introduction to a Kang variant, which was great. We had multiple Lokis. We had Richard E. Grant as a we Loki variant. We love Richard E. And Grant. And we love Richard E. Grant, and it gave Loki his time to shine. Mm -hmm. in his own solo project and i think it worked very well and i love his relationship with sylvie and their dynamic um and overall a lot of it just i I love the twist that you get revealed like halfway through the show Mm -hmm. because then you're like hold on now where's this going from here Mm -hmm. and
0: i just very much like loki awesome awesome uh my number eight is doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and we weren't that far off
1: for how different we feel on it. That's true. It's my number but the, nine. But that's
0: but that's why like the rankings are weird. Yeah. You know, because like you just have to get specific with everything. Yeah. But he, here's what I'll say about Doctor Strange too. This movie was part of a COVID mishap where it and another movie on later on this list had to switch release dates. Sucks, had to rework the story or whatever. They lost their original director and writer. I had such a blast watching this movie. And each time I watch the movie, like Eternals, I like it more. And from a directorial standpoint, Sam Raimi's fingerprints are all over this movie. Which in the MCU is a 50-50 shot. Mm -hmm. It either feels like another generic Marvel movie, or it feels like a Taika Waititi. It feels like a James Gunn. It feels like a Sam Raimi. And man, it was. There are certain story elements I wish that were different. And I think that there's some script things that bug me, like Memory Lane, is <laughs> something. I'm glad we got to see the characters pass, but I there are many better ways to do that. Um, I, you know how I feel about the Illuminati sequence. I thought it was perfect, and I thought it was handled exactly how it should have been. But I understand why people think otherwise. I do. I get mm-hmm. it. To me, it was handled perfectly. I liked the risk of making Scarlet Witch the villain and I thought it worked with the end of WandaVision which people just seem to think like was not the path she was going on when it absolutely was. Do I think you could have made a better story where she becomes a villain about halfway through? Sure. But I thought what they did and the sequences and gave us it gave us some of the darkest craziest sequences in the entire MCU so far. Mm-hmm. Seeing Doctor Strange Come out from a dead body and create a cape of damned souls.
1: You would have if you no, put, listen, listen, I'm it on wouldn't, board it, for that it, part. It
0: wouldn't have been on my bingo card of ever seeing it in the MCU ever. Yeah. <laughs> and going into the multiverse, seeing Reed Richards, a version of Reed Richards, seeing Patrick Stewart as Professor Charles Xavier, like knowing that the Black Agar Boltagon. Which is the craziest thing Kevin Feige's ever done is bring back Anson Mount to play Black Bolt. Um I thought that the, from a pacing perspective, one of the best-paced movies in the MCU. From start to finish, you're never bored, you're always intrigued, you're in it. Even if you don't like what's going on, It's mm-hmm. never ta- it never takes you out. You're in that movie till it ends. And I think that... I have a fundamental disagree with... I know there's a lot of people that say, like, Doctor Strange doesn't get a whole lot of story. There's not a lot of changes with him. And while I do agree that they are... they are handled on a surface level the whole concept of him always having to be the one that holds the knife and him seeing the other versions of himself fuck up their universes because they feel like they have to be the one that handles it yeah and then him giving that opportunity to america chavez at the end of the film i think that story works very well for me Mm -hmm. i know it doesn't work for everyone but every time i watch that movie that moment really works for me and that being kind of his through line and I also love that they kept the zombie face talking to America Chavez instead of cutting back to him. I, that is the best Sam Raimi choice in the whole movie because no, you know he—that he, was, was my
1: favorite sequence. You know he
0: Strange. got a studio note that said, "Hey, maybe when he talks to her, can we cut to when he's in the other universe?" And he was like, "No, the zombie's going to talk to her. No, the zombie's <laughs> talk." But, uh, but for those reasons, I really, really like that film. Okay, and uh, it is dead, mi- dead middle eighth, mm-hmm. halfway point. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Number seven is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I do agree with you that it is, I, I like it more than the first film, but there is a gaping hole in this movie, and that is the missing of Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly feel if Chadwick Boseman had not unfortunately passed away and we got a movie with him and Namor and all this stuff, this would be like number two, three. Mm-hmm. Did they do the best they could with what they have? Absolutely. Is the movie perfect? No. But emotionally, it's very rich. I agree with you that Angela Bassett deserves an Oscar nomination. Yeah. And it is a bit long. I think it's about 20 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. But there are sequences in this movie that I still think about and remember. And overall, I'm very happy with what they did. And I'm curious to see where it goes. It's just not as good as the other ones on this list, in my opinion. Okay. Um, My number six is Moon Knight. This, to me, is in contention with Miss Marvel for having the best pilot episode. Um, Amazing pilot. Very good pilot. So for a brief section in the rankings, uh, our audio recorder stopped working, but don't worry, it gets fixed. Stick around. My only big negative with the show Mm -hmm. is the... Unlike Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I think should have been a movie, I think Moon Knight should have been 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. Because you're building, you're building, you're building, and then, oh, that was the last one.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's like
0: oh, okay. Like, they cram a bunch of story in that finale just to end it after six episodes. Yeah, I remember when
1: the fifth episode ended. I was like, there's one left.
0: Yeah, and the fifth episode, I think, is one of the best episodes that Disney Plus has ever done. Yes. And it's, it was such a fun experience. Oscar, Isaac, have been one of the best performances in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And the action scenes were great. It's just there wasn't enough of it, and you can tell they crammed the story to fit six episodes. Yeah. That's the only big negative that keeps it this low on this list. My number five is Werewolf by Night. The only thing I really felt was wrong with this was it wasn't longer and it wasn't a movie and I feel like it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it What a great way to introduce like the special presentation idea of you know having these stories that you can tell in 45 minutes. And the reason why I put this so far above the Guardians 1 is I feel like this was a full, complete story yeah. in 45 minutes. That gives us tons of backstory in the MCU. It gives us tons of setups for the future and it did it like a universal classic monster movie Mm -hmm. and it was great and michael giacchino did an excellent job directing it and um i was scoring i I knew i was gonna like it yes yeah i knew i was gonna like it i was surprised by how much i liked it and again i just wish we could have gotten more and i know that that's what you kind of want people to feel after these things but it's it's one of those things that of all the decisions they've made why didn't they make this one? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, yeah, Werewolf by Night gets number five because of that reason. Top four, baby.
1: Top four. Here we go. Number four for me, I got Werewolf by Night for many of the huh. same reasons that you uh, nice. you just lamented. Um, I think that uh, Michael Giacchino's score and direction were great. He said, I have this. Give it to me. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and they did. And it shows. I think that uh, Gail Garcia, I believe his name is. Yeah uh did an excellent job as the character uh especially for introducing a character that that many people might not be familiar of and the whole concept of like the werewolf you know it's a very basic story and to incorporate that kind of side into the MCU was cool to see especially with like uh Elsa Bloodstone and Man Thing. Oh, Man thing's so sweet. <laughs> I want more Man Thing.
0: Yes, Ted. Ted.
1: Um which was a total shock I was not expecting him to be in it. Yeah. Um and again just a complete story 45 minutes a lot of fun it showed what these specials can be and it's a shame that they set that standard so early on yeah because that's going to be hard to capture. live up to yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um because i could see more of the specials ending up being like little palette adventures like the guardian special not these in-depth world building things with mm-hmm. world by night, but the whole universal classic monster, just that you can totally do something like that in the MCU and still have it be part
0: of it. Is really as cool soon as that claw came through the Marvel logo and that music hit, yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm in for a fucking ride here. Yep.
1: Uh, number three, I have uh WandaVision. I believe that is my favorite of all the Marvel shows that have been released so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all the comic sitcom tropes, the direction, the acting, the mystery of it all. Um, Catherine han as agatha perfect everything about the show just worked so well for me uh the return of jimmy woo kat dennings character uh the 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 daughter from captain marvel i think just everything blended so well the genres to have it be your first marvel studios thing and come out the gate swinging like that yeah again to, a hard to, to emmy to nominations yeah, yeah exactly um and elizabeth olsen like we always knew it was a star, but man, like they showcased what Wanda could be and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just everything worked very well for me on that. Uh, my number two, I have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is the best, one of the best origins stories in the MCU for film, I think i loved everything about that they retconned and made uh the mandarin cool (laughs) and they made uh ben kingsley's uh trevor slattery cool was always cool which i was always on board (laughs) for anyway uh but the villain the personal story between the father son story there and the sisters the family dynamics um simu lu as shang chi was great the action they said we're making a kung fu movie and my gosh they did yeah um, the fun little sprinklings of the MCU, like you have Wong fighting abomination, which obviously we see play out in She-Hulk, but you're just like, Hold on, why is Wong fighting abomination? Mm-hmm. Uh, just all these little tidbits, everything just worked for me, the mystery of what the rings are are going to be and tie into. Uh, it did a great job of setting up a lot of things and while still being able to pay off what they wanted to give you. Uh, and then number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Because do I need to explain? <laughs> cool (laughs) that's my top four yeah i'm not i'm not not, i'm not explaining no way home yeah (laughs) i don't Um, i don't need to
0: yeah so uh my number four was loki okay my only negative about the show is i didn't like the third episode okay but i thought episodes one two four five six phenomenal like Mm -hmm. not just good they're phenomenal episodes yeah and um i feel like the third episode was there just to try to establish a connection with Loki and Sylvie and mention that twist that you mentioned earlier. But you could have done that throughout the show because I felt more of a connection with him and Mobius and they never stopped the show just to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. But they stopped the momentum of the show to do that episode and I felt that it wasn't the right place to do that and it didn't feel earned. Every other episode, phenomenal. And I'm a big Doctor Who guy and the whole time I'm like, oh my God. And the reason why I think the show, I put it this high... When they announced the Disney Plus shows initially, this is the one I was looking forward to the least. Mm-hmm. And it blew me away. So, Loki number four. Our top three are the fucking same. Wanda, yep. Number three is WandaVision. The best show they've done so far. Um, there are people who say, like, oh, you can skip the first two episodes. Don't fucking do that. I, I think they're not only phenomenal, they build to the story perfectly. And there was a lot of hype. When the finale came out and people saying they're disappointed, if you go back and watch that finale, it is the perfect ending to that show. The perfect ending to the story that they were telling, not the story you wanted to see. Vision storyline is just exactly how that would play out. Um, yes, yeah. and it's amazing. Amazing stuff. Was I disappointed that it was Ralph Boner and not actually Quicksilver from Fox? Sure. But do I have a feeling that they're also going to make do, it so that something. it was? I also think that too. But uh, but I it it was immaculate storytelling and it deserved all the accolades that it got, mm-hmm. like the nominations it got at the Emmys. Number two, Shang Chi, brilliant fucking film, blew me away when we saw it. You know it's a good movie when both you, me, and Kyler come out and say it's great. <laughs> and a Marvel movie, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's predisposed to not liking those. <laughs> um, and number one, No Way Home, again. This is the only one that's come in so far, but don't worry, I pre-ordered fucking all of them. Don't (laughs) worry, they're all coming. And uh, yeah, it was just a cinematic experience, Mm. you know, and just the story worked and the fun fan stuff worked. Like, it all worked. Yeah. You know?
1: Fan service done to the best. Fan stories
0: done to serve the story they were already telling. Yeah. And that's why, fundamentally, it's the number one movie on the list.
1: You could have done it with just the villains. Yeah. And, or you could have done it with just one of the Spider-Men. Yeah. And it still would have worked. Yeah. Or not, you know. Yeah.
0: And and I think that Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the best movies in the MCU.
1: I would also agree with that statement.
0: Yes. Yes. See, ranking the face is easy. Ranking the entire MCU, I, I won't do it.
1: It'd <laughs> be a, like a three-hour video. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. And, and about and three just, weeks of work. Yeah,
0: it, it would take me... Yeah, we, and I would constantly, I would constantly switch stuff up. Mm-hmm. I can maybe tell you the top five and the bottom five. Yeah, anything in between, don't ask me. <laughs> that's just a gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, but those are our phase four rankings, guys. Go ahead and yeah. go through one through sixteen for you, and I'll do the same. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, she Hulk. Black Widow, Guardians, Hawkeye, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Eternals, Thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, Wakanda Forever, Loki, Werewolf by Night, WandaVision, Shung Chi, and Spider Man No Way Home.
0: And for me, sixteen She Hulk, Attorney at Law, 15 Black Widow, Fourteen, the Guardians, Holiday Special, 13 Thor Love and Thunder, Twelve Miss Marvel, Eleven Hawkeye, 10 the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 9 Eternals, 8, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, 7 Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Six, Moon Knight. Five, Werewolf by Night. Four, Loki. Three, (laughs) WandaVision. Two, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. And with that, we are going to move to our movie reviews. And we have two for you this time. Another Movie Night's double feature. Yes, because we missed out on a week here. And the movies we're going to talk about today are... I just realized they probably suddenly saw my hat go backwards. (laughs) Um, The movies we're going to be talking about are The Whale and Babylon. Yes. The Whale directed by Darren Aronofsky, The Babylon, The Babylon. Babylon. The Babylon. Babylon Lion. Yeah, <laughs> directed by uh, Damien Chazelle. Uh let, let's do The Whale first. Okay. So jumping right into it. Yes. All the hype you hear about the Brennan Affleck performance, believe it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I also am in contention that I don't know if it's going to happen, but the actress playing his nurse deserves a best supporting actress nomination as well. Yes. I thought she was phenomenal. Sadie Sank was also good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the performances are better than the movie. I don't think the movie is bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a good film. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the movie lives up to the performance, the lead performance. I, I compare this movie to Elvis in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then I know people feel differently than me on this. But I feel like Elvis is a good movie but that mostly relies on how good Austin Butler is in that movie. Mm -hmm. The whale, without this prenefragile performance, I'm not even sure if I would like the movie. Mm -hmm. And and I love Darren Aronofsky and everything. I just never had the chance to quite really get into the film. I feel like some of the script is a bit uneven, Mm -hmm. and uh, there are sequences that just don't work for me. I ultimately think it's just a movie that thinks it's better than it is. Okay. And again, it's not a bad film. I sound like I'm shitting on the film. Mm -hmm. I think it has great production design. I think the cinematography is good. Just the overall story and how they told it, I thought could have been done way better. And without the performance, like he carries the movie on his back personally, Mm -hmm. I I think. yes. And um, while I enjoyed the movie and I think it's good, I think he's the standout of the movie mm-hmm. and I think other than him and the actress playing the nurse who was also in the menu. I'm forgetting her name. But she was great in both. She was.
1: I didn't register that that was her. Yeah. That's good.
0: The actress playing his ex-wife was did not do a good job mm-hmm. and I love Ty Simpkins the, who also has a role in the film. I also didn't think he did a very good job. Mm-hmm. But everything else about the movie other than... What is that you, that you say all the time? I love everything about the movie except the movie. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel about The Whale. Mm-hmm. Although, like, I, I normally give out grades. But, like, I'd probably give it, like, a B. Mm-hmm. B-minus, maybe. But an A-plus performance. But the
1: performances get it to that rating. Yeah,
0: in an A-plus rating. performance yeah. in an, from Brendan Fraser And even the actress. The, I'm going to get her name when you're talking. But I, I think they were excellent in the movie. And I think, he, here's the good critic answer. The movie is not as good as the sum of its parts. Okay. Ha-ha. Puzzles. <laughs> but, uh... But I don't dislike the movie I think the movie is fine And I think the surface level of the story works Mm -hmm. But I Like for example When I watched the trailer I was like Oh I'm going to cry during this movie I didn't cry once Mm -hmm. And it's not the performer's fault I just think that This is also adapted from a play And I think that there's moments in the movie That work on stage That don't work Mm -hmm. In a film But I do think Darren Aronofsky Did bring some filmmaking stuff that I enjoyed Like there's sequences I love Mm -hmm. You know to me, I didn't buy that the story took place over the course of a week.
1: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: mm mm-hmm. That kind of stuff just didn't really go well for me. But there's nothing in the movie that I think is particularly awful either, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's a lot of controversy with the movie. I, I didn't feel that when watching it. I thought it told the story in a very respectful way to someone gaining that weight and how their life would be. Um, it's a story about hope. It's a story about the loss of hope. Mm-hmm. And there's a big thing in the movie that also kind of teetered me away a bit, which is, I don't know if I should spoil it, they come to a conclusion. Brendan Fraser's character comes to a conclusion about his daughter that is just not the case. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know what I'm referring to.
1: Yeah, I mean, spoil it. It's a limited. Okay, it's, okay, limited release.
0: Yeah. Quick spoilers. She does something to Ty Simkin's character to yeah. kind of get him in trouble and get him sent home. And Brennan Fraser comes to the conclusion that oh, she's a, really a good person because she did it to send him home to be with his family. Yeah. No, she didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not what happened. And uh, you know, and he, I, I can see the argument of that not being the point of the scene, of whether or not she did that for that reason. Because I do love, there is a setup in this movie that turned on its head that I loved. Mm-hmm. And while we're spoiling, there's an essay that he likes to have repeated to him to calm him down. And it's setting it up, to me at least, it was setting it up to where his ex-lover wrote that. Oh, I knew
1: it was the daughter right away. See,
0: I, it got me when it was the daughter. And I okay. was like, oh, I and I liked that much more. Mm-hmm. And there's scenes in the movie that I love. Like, oh, there's a heartbreaking scene with Brendan Fraser when he realizes that his daughter wrote a haiku. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. Like the performance is beautiful in Mm -hmm. the movie, but yeah, overall, I think the movie is good. Mm -hmm. I think the performance is out of this world and he will absolutely get an Oscar nomination. Possibly win. your thoughts,
1: I, I agree with everything you said about the performances. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of who was good who was it was certain plot elements like the whole ty simpkins character hit like the religion Mm -hmm. storyline of it i think kind of seemed like they wanted to go in on it more and were hesitant to do that yeah which i think hurt the movie Mm -hmm. um something i really like and again kind of agreeing with a lot of your points here Mm -hmm. um I think something that worked for me a lot was there was a lot of ambiguity with answers Mm -hmm. that I think worked to my level. Like, I knew that the daughter wrote the essay. They don't necessarily – they do not give you an answer as to if she did it purposefully or not. Brendan Fraser's character jumps to that conclusion, Mm -hmm. but that could be chalked up to his own optimism, him wanting – Sure, because he is a very optimistic guy. He's an optimistic guy, and that is allowing him – 'Cause the whole thing it takes place over a week because he mm-hmm. knows he's dying. Yeah. Right? That mm-hmm. that's in the trailers, that's like the you know mm-hmm. and that's him coming to terms with that and his own mental state writing this script mm-hmm. that allows him to go peacefully. Yeah. And I think that worked. Mm-hmm. That ambiguity, you know, and you as the audience can decide are you agreeing with Brendan Fraser, are you not? And same thing with the nurse, because we reveal a tie in of her and Brendan Fraser, their connection, yes, which
0: I enjoyed, which
1: I enjoyed very much. But here's the thing. Now, are you looking at is, is she actually trying to help him? Cause she's also an enabler. Mm-hmm. So deep yes. down in her subconscious, is she also feeding him to get back at him? Well, you know, like yeah. what, and I liked that that wasn't that you can leave that to your own interpretation. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the thing too, is he's a very optimistic character and you find yourself rooting at him and again, the movie does a great job of masking it. He's kind of a selfish person. He's a very yes. selfish person. because He, he is flawed, he, sure. He's very flawed, and the biggest thing was he wanted to reconnect with his daughter to try to help her. Mm-hmm. But all he's doing is hurting her. Mm-hmm. Because now he's going to build this connection, or whatever be it, and then he's going to die and put mm-hmm. her through more trauma. Yeah. Which I think was selfish of the character.
0: Yeah. And... And those
1: elements all worked for me, mm-hmm. but the script and overall was very simple. It was adapted from a play. I yeah. think it maybe could have used one or two more, mm-hmm. just flip throughs. But the performances with what they had, yeah. everything worked beautifully on yeah.
0: it. I, I I agree, and like, but my yeah, and like, kind of to your point, yeah. Ultimately, he's hurting her, and I like that he's flawed. He's a flawed character. Yeah, and um, I think that he. That point that you brought up of him being like, oh, he really he's hurting the daughter Mm -hmm. and just he knows he's dying and he won't go to the hospital. Yeah. Like. I'm okay with him accepting that he wants to die and that even his caretaker is letting him die. But to me, I don't know, there's almost just not enough effort to save him Mm because even he gave up on himself so quickly and it's heartbreaking to see and it reflects in the performance. Yeah. But, and he's not in a great position in his life either. And like, I love the sequence when you find out that he has that money. Yeah. When the nurse finds out. But it's just, I didn't buy, even in his circumstances in his life, that nobody called the ambulance. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you my favorite through line throughout the whole movie and the most heartbreaking was the the pizza guy. Yeah. That was beautiful and heartbreaking. All once and a jump scare, a bit (laughs) yes. But uh, but yeah, I I like the movie. I -hmm. can see myself watching it again, but only to like show somebody else. Yeah, you know, like you got to see this performance. Like like if I tell someone to see this movie, I'm like watch it for the performance. Yes, you know, and uh, and it's not it's not again. I'm I'm sounding like I don't like the movie. I do. I mean, from a technical
1: standpoint, the direction. The, the direction,
0: the cinematography, the production design in the particular, makeup. the make oh, the makeup is going to get an Oscar for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, it, yes, it's,
1: really, it's just the the story itself was very simple and basic in yeah, its and, premise, and and
0: I, and I don't mind simple and basic stories. I mean,
1: Banshees was
0: yeah, exactly. But I was engrossed that whole film. Yes, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it was just so much more to me, well written. Yeah, and then this movie, and uh, let's see, the actress's name was Hung Chao. Hung Chao did an amazing job
1: amazing now here's the thing i very much liked it in a world of recommend don't recommend it's a highly
0: recommend in the world of recommend or don't recommend i also recommend yeah yeah i'm just saying i think that the performance is far better than the movie thinks it is and sometimes that's okay sometimes that's okay sometimes you can just watch a movie for the performance Uh (laughs) and this is where i piss people off let's talk about babylon
1: Let's talk about Babylon. Brother,
0: I like this movie a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it a lot, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. I liked it so much. Now, granted, this movie is three hours, over three hours long. Should it have been three hours? No. Is there stuff in the last hour that just, from a a script structure standpoint, does not work? Absolutely should they have figured out a better way to end the film other than the Lord of the rings it, as you like to put it? hmm Absolutely, they should have done that. Did I enjoy <laughs> the ever-loving fuck out of this movie? But do you
1: miss the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the first 90 minutes of this movie yeah. is the best movie I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. It's the best movie I've seen Was all it, year.
1: We did it with the whale. We're just gonna have to go spoilers on this. Yeah, one. spoiler, spoiler, yeah. spoiler. Put the tag on it. We'll yep. call it a day. Yeah.
0: Because it's been it's been a minute since it's been out. And it's
1: made so much money. Everyone's, yeah, clearly everyone's seen, seen
0: it. Everyone's seen it. But like okay.
1: <laughs> I don't even know where to begin, there's too much.
0: Yes. So first of all, right when the elephant shits on that dude in like the opening scene, I'm like, Oh, this movie's for me. Mm-hmm. And the whole, the direction, Damien Chazelle is one of the best directors working today. The whole party sequence, the camera movements, mm-hmm. the score is badass.
1: The pan in and pans out from a trumpet. I hope you like those in La La Land. Oh, yeah, man, there's more of them. Do you get more <laughs> of them here?
0: Um, the performances were excellent. I think Margot Robbie deserves a Best Actress nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Diego Calva, is that Calva, his name? I believe so, yeah. Uh, I've never seen him before. I thought he did excellent. Brad Pitt's always good. P.J. Byrne, that's his name. The assistant it, it to the director. It won't happen. This guy deserves a Best Supporting Actor nomination. In this movie, he plays an assistant to one of the filmmakers in the silent yeah. era and when they go into the talkies, who fucking crushes every second he's on screen. He's also in Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. like Margot Robbie. And the boys. And, yes. And this movie reminds me of Wolf of Wall Street. This movie reminds me of Wolf of Wall Street meets Uncut Gems. Mm. That's how this movie feels to me. It's constant anxiety and panic, but it's through the lens of the film industry and the drugs and the partying. Yeah. And like I said, the first 90 minutes are incredible. And the the second 90 minutes aren't terrible. They mm-hmm. just don't live up to the first half. Yeah. Um, For flaws, the movie is too long, like I mentioned before. um, It goes into a direction in the final act of the movie that even I thought was like, okay, this is too much. This sequence was not needed. Yeah. You could have reworked this and kept the pacing better because that's the only the pacing of the movie is a bit back and forth. Mm-hmm. I do think the first hour of the movie doesn't even feel like an hour. Like it's just yeah on all cylinders. And there are all time favorite sequences in this movie. Like when Diego Calva has to go get that camera and then drive back and they got to get the shot before sunset and that mm-hmm. director's just fucking losing it. Like my fucking movie's ruined. And like Brad Pitt's <laughs> drunk
1: off his ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. and-, <laughs> uh,
0: and then the guy dying on the flagpole and they're like, he ran into it. <laughs> and yeah (laughs) but like and just the juxtaposition of seeing how films were chaotically made in the silent era and then switching to the set the closed set
1: yeah because they had what 30 movies running at once on a set because you didn't have to care about the sound yeah and all of a sudden now you have the person in the sound box you have the mic you have to be specifically right underneath you have all these elements and and
0: i've seen controversy about the final scene of this film Mm -hmm. i dug it personally Do I think that it set it up to end several times and didn't? Yes, and that should have been corrected. Mm -hmm. But I love the ultimate story of this movie being... The the ultimate question this movie asks is... Is the magic and beauty of the movies worth the absolute death and shit that you go through in Hollywood? Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? And it's the perfect antithesis to La La Land, which was also directed by Damien Chazelle. And I will be doing double features in the future (laughs) of La La Land and Babylon. Mm -hmm. And it... It just, I loved it. I, it had me the whole movie. Mm. Now, does the second act drag and you start feeling that runtime? Yeah. And I think that there's even little sequences you could clean up and get out. Like, I like the idea of them hiring somebody to help Margot Robbie's character be more couth, if you will. Yeah. But I feel like part of that storyline could have been cut. You could have just had that be shown. Of the montages in this movie, that could have been part of a montage Yeah. to me. And, um, it's wild it's crazy it's high octane and it just Goes. keeps you on your toes yes it does thoughts nicholas
1: uh i very much enjoyed the movie um as it stands right now i don't think it's in my top 10 currently
0: i i haven't even begun yeah. to try that, that list
1: that's fair um i think all the performances were fantastic mm-hmm. i think barger robbie definitely deserves it's probably my favorite role i've seen her in, in, a, in a while yeah, she's um, great in it. Brad Pitt shows up, and he's Brad Pitt, but you're like, it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. Even um, Olivia
0: Wilde makes a little cameo. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of cameos in the movie. I was like, oh, him. Mm. Eric Roberts shows yeah, up for Eric a bit. Ro- Dude, when I saw Eric, Eric Roberts. Roberts. I'm like, I, went, I went, is that Eric Roberts? Yeah. And it was. <laughs> they,
0: they just dropped a surprise Eric Roberts. <laughs> um,
1: uh, and I think the movie's a lot of fun. It's very high octane, which I enjoyed, and Damien Chazelle's style of directing fits that yeah. wonderfully. And, you know, all the early reviews, you know, calling it like a hate letter to Hollywood 11 movies, as cheesy as it sounds, that is accurate. That's exactly what it is. Um, and again, I think there was some tightening up that could have happened, for example, in the film. I won't go into deep, deep spoilers, but Toby McGuire's whole sequence, mm-hmm. who's in the trailers, and I was like two hours into the movie and, and went, how has Toby not been in this yet? Yeah. He And he's great in the movie, by the way. And he's great. The whole purpose of his scene, though, led me to a conclusion that I was already at, personally.
0: I agree with you. I do.
1: But that being said, it was a fun sequence because, like, this other character who's like this drug dealer on sets is hysterical. Yeah. And Toby McGuire gives a great performance. And I'm just happy to see my boy again, <laughs> who I feel so bad because he's an executive producer on this movie and yeah. the movie's not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, that saves you 20 minutes right there. And maybe it's just me. I, I jumped to the conclusion that that's set up already. Um, and just, I called it the Lord of the Rings ending because it just kept going. You know, and the thing is, there were all these separate storylines. So I appreciate that they concluded them. Mm -hmm. But each time it ended, I was satisfied. And I was like, you know, I didn't really need more after this. And they kept going. I'm like, all right, that was fine. And then they kept going. And then we get into that great movie ride montage. And I'm like, what's happening right now? And then it ends. I'm like, fair. But like the whole concept when he goes to the theater and is watching uh, Singing in the Rain and seeing the glorification of this era that brought the character so much heartbreak and seeing characters that he watched witness certain events, I thought was so good. Amazing. And I was like, yes, stop like that. At, like at yeah. that point, like when they wrap up Brad Pitt's storyline, when they yeah. wrap up Margot Robbie's, I'm like, okay, yes, I'm satisfied with this. And then that happened. And I went, cause then that scene starts where he's like older and everything. Yeah. And they go through and I'm like, All right, come on. And then that happens. I go, please stop. Just stop. Like, you got it. And then it kind of trickles into chaos. And I'm like, I get what they were going for. But I was like, oh, like I took so much away from that scene that I was upset that there was a little more after. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall, very much enjoyed the movie. Um, I think as it stands right now, it is probably my third favorite of Damien Chazelle's four. Okay. Uh, I go La La Land, Whiplash, this, and then First
0: Man. That's probably how I see it as well. Although- gotta say it love first man people give it shit it's a great movie it's a great fucking movie and uh whiplash versus la la land is a battle i don't enjoy mm-hmm. doing because i have a very special place in my heart for both of those films yeah how whiplash didn't win best picture i mean i know how because it no one ever saw it but mm-hmm. it was nominated but like it's the, it was the best movie of that
1: year. All this movie did was solidify Damien Chazelle as one of the best directors currently working.
0: Yes. And it's a shame that it's dividing critics. It's the, And people, it is the accountant of 2022. <laughs> that movie's great. I don't know why. I wouldn't like compare it. it to Babylon, though. Like, no, no. I mean, it's nothing like that movie. But in terms yeah. of, like, there's a split there's there. There's
1: an even split. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Well, yeah, recommend <laughs> that is a recommend very it's much long so. it's long if you got three hours to kill i give it i a will watch. get the 4k there you go yes he has the 4k morbius though so take that with a grain of salt
0: i mean what if you if you take you, that at what you you're want. saying if you didn't have the opportunity to get the 4k morbius you wouldn't get it i mean i would but see it's fine but come on. it's morbid time it's morbid time <laughs> and uh, I, I, I with that I think that's all we had planned for today's show do you got anything yes. else you wanted to add Nicholas it's a long one thanks for sticking around <laughs> yeah, they really hopefully long. won't
1: be as long in the future but we had to cover a lot of this
0: yes and uh, we will fix any future te- technical difficulties we have uh, thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you next week